Welcome everyone to another episode of Kiwi Talks. I have in the studio a food psychologist for mindfulness, mindfulness, not mindfulness. It's a good play on words. I'd like to uh, welcome uh, Eugenia Nikki Farrow. Did I pronounce that right? You pronounced it correctly. Okay, yes. that's good. That's good. Yeah. All right. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah. So tell me how you started this thing off, the journey of it all. It's a, quite a long story, but I'll try to keep it. That's right. It's a long podcast. Short. Okay. <laughs> Short, but relevant, I guess. Um, so I had an eating disorder. It started about when I was 15, 16 years old. And throughout my, I guess, teenage life and up until late 20s, I was on all sorts of diets and kind of always had, I guess, this feeling that I never, I always felt different. Mm -hmm. I felt I, I never belonged where I was. I kind of tried to, I had friends. I was never lonely as such, but um I always felt very odd and very different. And at some point, um, probably yeah, when I was 15, 16, I started losing weight, kind of going on these diets. And when I was losing weight, girls around me noticed it mm. and gave me compliments and asked me, you know, oh, my God, you have a thigh game. How did you do that? <laughs> you know, and how what are you eating and what is it that you're doing? So... I got a lot of attention. Right. And in my little mind, that felt like, ooh, I belong now. Mm. They noticed me, you know. Um, and I guess that's that's how it got worse and worse for me. Um, and then uh, when I came, that was when I was living in Germany. And then when I came to New Zealand, um, I guess I had distance from all of it and decided that I'm going to be just myself and focus on myself and um, recovered from all of it. And throughout my recovery journey, I just made the decision that I need to help other people, in particular women, who are struggling with it. Because I was on kind of jumping from under-eating, orthorexia, anorexia, to binge eating. So we're just on the other side of this picture. So I kind of had it all, mm. basically. Um, and so I could relate. And it was personal experience. But also, I guess, my, my uh, background, I studied psychology. I then wanted to know more about nutrition. So I got certified as a holistic nutrition coach, um, um, was trained in mindfulness. So I kind of had that background as well. And then, yeah, so that only made sense to then start a company, quit my job and been doing this now for quite a few years mm. Mm -hmm. so the psychology you talk about the psychology of food mm. so when you started studying psychology mm. uh did you did you notice a lot of links with food straight away because some people don't you know they separate the two things but they're actually very much interlinked to be honest with you, no. Back then, I didn't. Okay. No, I didn't. I wasn't even thinking about it. All I knew is I want to help people. I didn't know in what way. I wasn't even thinking about helping people, you know, in so with eating issues. It was later on when I started um, the nutrition 
certif- uh, program, right? Mm. That and I started helping clients. My first, like at the beginning, my focus was more on helping people what to eat, so eat healthy. So I gave them like a nutrition plan, a diet plan, and um, it was holistic, but it was still more about what to eat. Um, but the more I worked with people, the more I realized, you know what? That is actually not the problem. Most people know what to eat. Most people know what is healthy. So if I ask someone, what do you think is healthy? When my clients come to me and say, I just need a diet plan. I say, okay, tell me what do you think is healthy? What do you think you need to eat? Most people don't need me. So then I thought, well, if people know what to eat, what is the problem? The problem is why are we not doing what we know we have to do? And how are we eating? Mm. Why are we eating in the way we do, right? So my focus then turned more into the how and the why. And what is the how and the why? Well, that is a long <laughs> and big question. And I suppose it varies depending on the person, right? It is, yes. Yeah. But um, can you give me an example of maybe a common one? A common one. Well, let's say, let's use this current situation. Yes. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Current situation is we're in lockdown for four weeks, at least minimum. That's what we know at this stage. Yeah. A lot of people feel, including myself, I need to say, um, overwhelmed, a little bit anxious. Um, There is stress. There is uncertainty. There is a lot of unknown. When we don't know, when we are in uncertainty, what we go to things that we do know, and that is we know how food makes us feel. Mm. If I ask you, well, we, how do you feel when you hear and when you have chocolate? I go well. I, I kind of end up on a bit of a high. Okay. I, feel, I feel pretty good, at least initially, and then I think it wears off. That's right, yeah. right? So you know that you're gonna feel high, good. Mm. So that is your certainty. There are people who know if I have a glass of wine, I'm going to feel relaxed and chilled and forget about things for a while, right? So we get mellow. We know what it's going to feel like. So in moments of uncertainty, we go to things that we know. So there's certainty. We're trying to get certainty. We know how it's going to make us feel. In moments when we feel out of control, which we do, there are things we can't control that are outside of our control, we go to things that we can control, and that is food, for example, right? Yeah. Yeah, because I can't control how much I eat and overeat and all of that stuff, and I know how I'm going to feel. So, again, I'm controlling those feelings, Um, Some people go to controlling their body, which is over-exercising or under-eating, because that is their way to control. That's very valid. Mm -hmm. So how do you stop yourself from, uh, I suppose, abusing your body in terms of eating and actually being aware of it? Because sometimes you can be having, well, you might have an eating disorder and not even know that you have an eating disorder. Yes, but let's say, let's focus on people who would say they don't have an eating disorder, but just 
maybe not quite an easy relationship with food, yeah, so, right? Because so it's more the majority. Yeah, so us. they eat in times of stress or it's like a coping ne- mechanism. That's right. Relying on a substance in a way, I suppose you could say. That's right. Yeah, yeah. that's self-medication right there. Yeah. Yeah, so it's just we do, just all have different... I call it drug of choice for some it's people, uh, people, sorry, food. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, all people are a drug to some people. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yeah, so for some people it's food, for others it's alcohol, then it's porn, Mm. right? It's shopping, it makes you high. So yeah, different different sources of um, coping mechanism. So how do you break that though? How do you break it? I mean, that's why. I do what I do, right? It's a process. But let's say for those who are here and listening, like, okay, okay, I kind of recognize myself. I'm doing that. I'm overeating. I'm eating when I'm bored. First of all, we can change what we're not aware of. Yes. Right? It's a blind spot. Yes. So because we're speaking now, a lot of people would then say, oh, yeah, that's me. Yeah. That's the first step to be aware of what I'm doing. And then when we notice, okay, I'm sitting on the couch watching Netflix and I find myself in the kitchen opening all the cupboards. The question is, are you hungry? Yeah, well, at night I tend to find that I get peckish and I want something, I don't know, sugary, I guess, whether it's chocolate or ice cream at night. If I'm watching a film, if I'm doing something else, then I'm fine. Mm -hmm. Um but I don't actually know why I am like that. I don't know why and how I got into that state. So I'd imagine it would be similar for some other people, but the situation might be different. A lot. Very, very common nighttime eating is one of the biggest kind of issues or concerns that people have. Can I coach you? Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so tell me how you're feeling when you find yourself being peckish, like you're watching like a movie, how do you feel in that moment? It's hard to describe, but I just feel like I need something like a boost. And I'm not necessarily hungry. It's just I feel I need maybe a boost, maybe to get through the movie or I don't know. I'm just it's it's hard to really describe, actually. I, I, my, my brain just tells me I need this mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. But I, I wonder if it's because, you know how with chocolate, it, it can be very addictive. So, you know, once you have it, you want it more and yeah. more and more. Yeah. Even if you don't necessarily want it, but your body is telling you that you need it. Or your mind, I should say. Um, but then if I'm not watching a movie, then I'm fine. So I, I don't know if it's something to do with the fact that I'm sitting down in the couch. And maybe it's a psychological thing because, you know, when you go to a, a movie or a cinema... And you watch a film and you buy popcorn or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I will get to that one. So I'll explain in a second what's happening there. Okay. Um, so you say you need a boost. Yeah. If you need a boost, how do you feel in that moment? Are you a bit bored? Yes, I think I am bored. You're a bit bored. Yeah, I or think I am. Or not stimulated enough. Yeah, quite possibly. Um, it probably depends also on what film I'm watching. So you, maybe you need a break. Yeah, maybe. See, like if my partner's making me watch like a romantic film. <laughs> Sorry, honey. Um, but as opposed to say an action film, for example. Yeah. I'm a bit more stimulated, I find. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Okay. So first of all, um, what we find is you are either bored, you need a break, you're not stimulated, you actually need something else, mm. right? Um, and it's a habit. For you, yes. it's a habit, okay? The way we create habits, it, um, it contains out of three things. First, there is a trigger, then there is a behavior, and then there is a reward, okay? Ah. The trigger is a certain feeling. Right. You're bored. Yep. Yeah, or you're not stimulated. Now, in the past, when you were bored, you went and ate something. When you go and eat, like let's say a piece of chocolate, yeah, then there is, I feel good, you are entertaining yourself in that moment, and you're kind of occupied. And you also had a break yeah. from the movie. Yeah, because you're actually bored. You're not really, not really interested. And maybe there's a part of you that just waiting when it's over. Well, yeah, possibly. And my mind can drift sometimes and I'm often thinking about other things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you're not stimulated. Right. Um, and then there is a reward. Now, we will not do something if there is no reward, if it doesn't meet a certain need. Mm. In this moment, you are meeting the need for entertainment or something else to do. If there is a reward, we're going to do that again. Next time when we experience that same trigger, so which is uh, feeling bored, you learn that your, your mind remembers, ah, I remember last time I was bored, I ate, I felt good, let's do this again. Mm. And you're going to do it again and again and again. And maybe you've been doing this since you were a child or, you know, for quite a few years. Yeah, I think it's probably a few years. Probably a few years. But it's something I only realized I do recently. It was almost a subconscious thing that mm. I just went and did it, but I never actually questioned the reason why I did it. Yeah. And I sometimes, I eat too much. So say I'll buy one of those big Whitaker slabs, yeah, yeah, blocks of chocolate, yeah. right? Yeah. And you should only really have, I don't know, a couple of pieces, but I'll smash the whole, whole block and then I'll feel sick afterwards. Yeah. And it happens every single time I do it. <laughs> and I'm always like, why? And even my flatmate is like, why do you do that? You know you're going to feel sick afterwards, but yet I still do it. Yeah. Yeah. Most people, well, not most, but a lot of people experience that with with chocolate. Yeah, because it's, it stimulates the reward system. Again, remember what I said, reward. Reward, Okay, there yeah. is a reward. We will not do something if there is no reward. Yeah. And chocolate, sugar... Um, fat, that combination stimulates the reward system in your brain. So you will do it again, even though you know it feel you will feel like after. But as humans, we always seek pleasure naturally. We always do that, yeah. even there is no a negative consequence. Yeah, that's why I said like with alcohol, you get drunk, you know how you're going to feel next day, but. The reward feels like it's such so much more important yeah. in that moment. So it's the same with chocolate. So I want to go back to your nighttime eating. So we kind of finish that because there are a lot of people who experience it. Yeah, so it's, it's a common thing. It's very common. Okay. Very very normal. We naturally. I need also to add to this. Uh, so first of all, there is a trigger, right? So there right. is a certain sensation, certain feeling. 
Um, but we also naturally tend to eat at night time because if we think back, you know, back those times, um, <laughs> at night time that was a time when we gathered together. So our partners, your husbands all, you know, came from hunting and we all gathered, we spent that time together. So it's a time when we relax, wind down. It's a time when we feel like we connect with each other. Yeah. And we connect you we use often food as a connection, as that time to calm, to quiet down. Right, so in our brain again remembers, hey, you're gonna feel good if you eat this. Yeah. So it's the whole combination. There is a part of us, yeah, that will naturally want to eat a little bit more at nighttime. So you're aware of it now, right? Next time when you feel like, okay, I'm bored or I need a break, first of all, you can make a different choice. Yeah, you can maybe go and like have a stretch or have a glass of water or something like that, or not watch something that you know, creates that feeling of boredom. Is there something like, say, tea? Do you think that could help stop the craving? Is there anything that you can take? I mean, I'm not talking about like drugs or anything, but like, <laughs> like water or tea or something that can help kind of quench that uh, need or that craving. Well, it gives you a break, right? Because again, yeah. we're looking back. We always go back to what is the need and how can we meet that need in another way? And if you are bored, then I'll ask, well, maybe you can do something else. Maybe actually while you're watching TV, like for some people, they like drawing, they can, they like knitting, you know, so yeah. there's something else that you can do in addition to that movie. Right. Um, if you feel like I need a break, of course, go up and get a glass of water or tea or something like that. So you're also then occupied. Yeah, we call it oral satisfaction mm. <laughs> because you're then occupied. Your, your mouth is occupied. Yeah. And we are, again, drawn to oral satisfaction because when we were little, we got a bottle until we fell asleep. Yeah, that's true. Right? So it, it always goes back to what is it that we learn? What is it that we connect with food? And that is soothing. Do you think it's a good idea... Uh, to have dessert after dinner or do you think like so say for example if you grew up in a family as a kid and and your parents you know serve dinner and then every night they serve you dessert afterwards mm. do you think that can actually form the habit later on absolutely yeah 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 absolutely um because we are i mean what they say is by the time we're 30 we're just a bunch of habits right yeah so it's like just a combination of habits that we've created and if we do things without questioning like for example having dessert you might even not be hungry after dinner but you're not questioning you'll forget about thinking i'm actually hungry do i actually really want that i don't think there's anything wrong with dessert after dinner but just be aware make a mindful and conscious decision do I want that? Is that really what I want? And how much do I want of it? Mm. Yeah. I also know for myself, I have a very addictive personality. Mm -hmm. So I can really get into things. And so if I develop a habit, well, I kind of feel sometimes I don't actually ever stop a habit. I just replace one habit with another habit. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if you think that's that's the same thing for everyone maybe or do you think some people are just different in terms of their habits and how their mind works in terms of um 
I think we all have habits. Yeah. I think, as I said, I think we are just a bunch of habits. But when does something go from being a habit to an addiction? That is, well, I guess now it's a, we talk about definition, what is a habit and what is an addiction, yeah. right? Um, I don't have the dictionary in front of me, but <laughs> for me personally, addiction is a habit turns into addiction is when it starts taking over your life. It starts controlling mm. you instead of you are in charge. So you are, can be fully aware of your decision and you can even say no. Yeah. And you're okay with that. Okay. Yeah. But if you say no or you can't say no and it actually starts giving you anxiety and fear and obsessive thinking and it starts controlling you and your lifestyle and your entire brain on and thoughts, then maybe it goes into yeah, towards addiction. Yeah. Mm. So um with this lockdown, obviously that's um occurring, what would be your suggestions to people? And how to avoid uh, eating eating badly, I yeah, guess. Yeah, absolutely. Good question. Um, so we remember we eat unless we're hungry uh, because we want to change how we feel, right? When I yeah. ask you how do you feel when you eat chocolate, you told me exactly how I'm going to feel. Yeah, I feel good. I feel high. Da, da, da. It gives me kind of something else to do. Yeah. So, And that is the ultimate reason why we eat when we are not hungry, because we want to change how we feel or because um, it gives us distraction, it kind of numbs us for a moment, we don't need to think about anything else, or it gives us something else to do. Yeah. Yeah, so we need to be aware of that. Um, that means if this is what I'm trying to do, I'm trying to change how I feel, how can I do that in different ways? How can I do that in other ways? Now... How do you feel when you move or exercise? Well, I love it personally. Yeah. Sometimes I, I find it hard to have the motivation mm. to do it. Mm. But say, for example, if I'm working, uh, I won't ever come home after work. I'll go straight to the gym because I know if I come home, You're I not will not go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I always try and make sure that I go directly after the gym so there's no downtime for yeah. me. No time for my mind to be like, nah, you don't want to go. Mm-hmm. But yeah. how do you feel once you've exercised? Oh, I always feel great. Yeah. I always feel amazing. Exactly. Yeah. So movement makes you feel good. Right. Okay. Now, we won't be able to go to the gym, but we can move at home. Yeah. Turn a song on and just dance. Like, have fun. Who cares if it looks crazy because it's well, crazy no times. It. Yeah. Exactly. Dance with your with your family, with your kids. Kids love it. Yeah. So that is one way to change how we feel. Movement, obviously, songs, dancing, um, even just doing yoga, you know, or Pilates or HIIT training. There's, there are so many YouTube videos that we can do. Yeah. So movement is one way to change how we feel, yeah, uh, as Tony Robbins, who is, yeah, I guess I kind of um, adore, uh, <laughs> says motion creates emotion. Yeah, motion yeah. creates emotion. So movement creates different sense of feeling. It changes our state. And when we, depending on the state, we then make decision what food we eat or what we do. Right. So, Again, um, so, uh, w- different ways to change how we feel. Another way to change how we feel 
and I know I'm aware for a lot of people, um, especially guys, that probably think, oh, my goodness, this is cheesy. But, hey, it helps. Uh, gratitude. If we think about what we're grateful for, it changes how we feel. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's something men need to learn. I, I, I am sure about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I think because, uh, you know, some men think, no, I have to be the, the tough guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, be a tough bloke. I don't mind that. But just be grateful yeah. for stuff, you know. So f- for a moment, just actually think about what is it that you can be grateful for. And they did studies where they um, tested the waves of the heart and the brain and what they saw is when a person is stressed and overwhelmed, the waves are all over the show. Yeah. Um, so the brain waves and the heart waves, they were contradicting to each other. So while was uh-huh. up, the other one was down. So they were like, obviously people can't really see me right now. Um, but it was going up and down in different direction. Then they measured the waves when the person was grateful and they were fully aligned, one aligned with the other. Now, if those waves are aligned, we're going to feel so much calmer and so much more relaxed. Uh, is that, that's why uh, people encourage you to do yoga and meditation and things like that. Does that's that, right. Because that helps them align? Well, we talk about gratitude right now. Yeah, yeah. So you don't need to do any yoga right this moment. If you want to, like... But don't, doesn't gratitude interlink with those two things usually? No. You can no? do yoga and hate it at the same time. Really? Okay. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> <laughs> um, or some people, you know, all they want is like they're in a yoga class and their mind is just racing and all they think about, I need to cook, go and cook dinner and my family is at home. And, you know, it doesn't mean that you're actually grateful to yeah. be there in that moment. So, um, but if you can do yoga, of course, it's great. Again, it's movement, right? It's relaxation. And, and that was the, to my tip number three, is doing something restorative, something restorative, which is can be devaluable breathing so breathing in through the nose and out of the nose really into the belly like on the count maybe on four inhaling have a pause on the count of four exhaling so that again stimulates the parasympathetic nervous system so that means it calms the nervous system down and we feel so much calmer and that is where yoga comes in Mm. But you can do the breathing, obviously, without doing yoga either. Would you recommend doing the gratitude thing and the breathing if you're sleeping or when you're trying to get to sleep as well? Like if you're if you're struggling to get to sleep, could absolutely, that because yeah. you're uh, they're not aligned the waves. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I my suggestion is always to do like six rounds. Six, if you can go up to eight rounds of deep belly breathing, that'll be. That'll be great. When I say a round, one round is inhalation and exhalation. That is one round. Right. Yeah. Okay. But so if if the exhaling and inhaling is uh, the necessary thing, why do you think a lot of people don't do it? Or men specifically? Um. Uh, well, I, w- I don't know, men or women. Um, I think... There is an awareness these days that breath helps us, but I think that still for a lot of people, they just think, breath, I breathe all the time. Like, why do I need to breathe? (laughs) But the problem is that we breathe wrong, right? We breathe shallow. We breathe through our chest instead of our diaphragm. We, we, 
when we're born, like when we look at babies when they sleep, it's their belly that's moving up and down. But later on, though, as we grow up, a lot of us then tend to breathe through our chest, through the more yeah, through the chest. So that's the chest that's going up and down. Um, that usually often signals to our brain that we are in fight and flight mode. And a lot of us are in the moment, right? We we don't feel safe, and a lot of us feel like I'm uh, in survival. So that's where we go and hoard all sorts of stuff that we don't really require and get the empty shelves in the supermarket. Yeah, People are in survival mode right now, uh, and therefore their breath will be really, really shallow. So we need to go really to those basic things. And I know some people just probably expect something. Tell me something exciting. Go back to the basics. Actually just breathe. Deep belly breathing, diaphragmatic breathing, that will help you to get out of fight and flight mode and out of that um, survival mode and sense the signal to your brain that I'm actually okay because you're okay. We're in a country where we're safe. There is food supply. There is everything available. Yeah. We just need to actually chill for four days. I mean, how amazing is that? We get to relax a bit. I th- yeah, I think part of the problem is sometimes the balance between emotional and logical thought is not is not right as well. That's right. Yeah, because I've I think and I've I've talked to some people on the show before about it, but hysteria creates more hysteria. That's right. Right, and you're not thinking of things One logically. One feeds of the other. Yeah, because people keep buying toilet paper, for example. That's right. With no logical reason for it. So, so how how do you make yourself aware that you're not thinking logically? I suppose because I I imagine food would tie into that somehow. Absolutely, because again we are you know how I was talking about emotional state. Yeah? Yes. So when I was talking about the exercise and movement, we act from a certain state, and our emotions are absolutely powerful. They will almost like take over. Yeah, and shut down that rational part of our brain. And I'm going to explain the psychology Yeah, quickly because I love this topic. Um, <laughs> That's good. Yeah. I can see how passionate you are about this stuff, which is good. <laughs> so think about what we do we need it for. Yeah. The survival right. instinct. Then survival instinct that is there because we were supposed to run away from the tiger, right? Mm. In that moment, our brain does not want us to think, am I going to run right or left or am I supposed to like put clothes on first, you know? It doesn't want you to think. It just wants you to go right. without thinking. Therefore, when our cortisol level, so which is a stress hormone, when our adrenaline go up, the part and the rational part of our brain actually gets shut down. It's actually ah. shut down because it just wants you to act instinctively wow that's why what people do is they don't think rationally they just can't a lot of us can't in that moment that's why we go and eat on autopilot we go and do what other people are doing like buying buying toilet paper or whatever else people are doing so that's why i'm saying okay when if we know what is actually happening that's why i don't blame anyone it's not them. It's their hormones. 
that are <laughs> making them do it. Yeah. But we just need to be aware of it. And again, using those tools and techniques to get out of that fight and flight mode, bring our cortisol levels down, stress hormone. I was talking about the breath. I was talking about gratitude. I was talking about movement. All these things, they help us to do that. Yeah. And then um, bring the adrenaline down as well. And then we will be able to think more rationally because our brain is then functioning better again. Yeah, because the, obviously Jacinda's saying, hey, don't panic by. But it then, doesn't help. Yeah, it doesn't help. No. Okay. So It's yeah, like it's, telling you don't think about the color red. Don't think about the color red. Yeah. What no, are you going to do? Yeah, think yeah. about the color red. Yeah, because like if I don't do that, if I don't panic, they'll tell me not to panic. Well, First of all, how do I get out of panicking? And second one, if I don't panic, what else do I do? Hmm. Like we need to have the tools and techniques. We need to know what to do. We only get, well, no, that's not true. We do get what to do. Yeah. So how do you stop yourself from getting into that state? Are you able to check yourself when you? Yes, when I do. You, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, because I said, like I said at the beginning, I have moments I feel overwhelmed. Of yeah. course I do. Just another human being here. Yeah. Uh, but I am very aware of that. So in that moment, I don't act. Yeah. I actually say, okay, I'm fully aware of my feelings and I allow myself to feel. I actually allow myself to feel. I sit down in psychology, we would go talk about inner child. Yeah, there is this inner child in us that yeah. is scared right now. So in that moment, I'll just go, okay, how am I feeling? I'm scared. I'm overwhelmed. I'm a bit stressed. I kind of don't really know what to do. Okay, cool. Just sit with that. That's it. Yeah, so and then if I feel like it's actually taking over and I start breathing like, oh, my God, um, I, I lie down. I try I tend to lie down if I can, if I'm at home, if I'm somewhere else walking around. I start, I do, I do the breathing because right. the breath is there. It doesn't matter where you are. It's always there for you. It's an anchor that is always there. So go back to that deep belly breathing and Give yourself that time to calm and then say, okay, what from here? What would be the best decision for me to move forward with all the feelings that I'm currently experiencing? There's also some things that could probably add to that as well. Like say, I'm not sure if you've seen the movie Contagion. It's a, probably. I, yeah, it's a film where basically a virus gets out and it, you know, it, it causes mass, yeah. mass death. And a lot of people, it's it's resurged and and films being watched now, right? And um, I know a few people that have watched it, and then they felt scared after. And I'm thinking, why did you watch it then? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they're they're contributing to their own fear, in a way. But how do you how do you stop them from? So, say if they do the breathing exercise and they do everything, and then they calm themselves down, but then they inadvertently go and do something that triggers the fear again by researching something or looking at the news, because obviously it, it, everything's panic, all media headlines and everything's all mm. panic, panic, panic at the mm. moment. So do you think that's a key component as well to be able to, because yeah. I imagine you do not do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not perfect. Um, <laughs> well, again, I always say go back to the triggers. What is triggering you? Be aware of what is triggering you. If mm. watching the news is triggering you, 
don't do it or just give yourself like a minute or two a day and that's it. Right. Don't kind of Netflix it, <laughs> you know, don't binge on it. Yeah. Um, the same with social media. My suggestion is not to be on it all the time or choosing what is it that you're looking at. But be aware of the triggers and if watching movies about those topics is triggering you, maybe it's not the right time to watch it. Yeah. It's like before going on on an airplane. I would not watch movies where the airplane crashes. crashes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. But do with some of your clients, do you find that there's social media sits somewhere in there that's part of the trigger that makes them eat the way they do? Like when you trace it back? I, I think so, in particular for uh, younger girls uh, when it comes to body image. Yes. That's where, yeah, that's a big trigger. I mean, look to on um, Instagram, right? It's so easy to follow all these health-promoting uh, people, Right, yeah. so all the athletes, not athletes, but there are so many influencers, the right word, yeah, influencers who are telling us what we're supposed to look like and what a beautiful body is and what we're supposed to eat. And that is very, very triggering. Um, and yes, a lot of girls get into the orthorexia. Orthorexia is basically um, where we have the intention to be healthy and eat healthy, but it goes into the other extreme where we develop then fear of food. Like a lot of the time, it just starts with, I just want to be healthy, so I'm just going to cut out sugar, and then it turns to cut out carbs, cut out this, cut out that, no dairy, no this, no that, and then oh, I need now to exercise, so we end up with hardly anything, um, hardly any food choices, and over-exercising. Um, yeah, and then... There is a lot of issues that come from that. But part of the problem is as well, is say with Instagram and uh, other social media, mm. is you're getting all positives. You know, people don't really post negative stuff usually. It's just usually all their highlights. Yeah. Which probably helps with the negativity and the self-doubt and self-loathing. Um, and also some of those pictures aren't even real. They're fake. That's right. Yeah. 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 And like I always say to to my clients or people who follow me, just because you see someone is posting a picture of drinking a smoothie, it does not mean that they didn't have two blocks of chocolate after that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, or they posted a picture of them exercising. Maybe that was just when they dressed up, because to be honest with you, I did that, um, not posting, because back then there was no posting, but maybe they just dressed up to go and exercise, took a picture, and actually then thought, ah, fuck that. <laughs> I actually, because I remember I did that at some point. I kind of dressed up to go for a run and then, like, ah, nah, don't want it. And I didn't go. But I do I even see at my gym that some women get really dressed up. Mm. And like, you know, makeup and everything, just mm. trying to make sure they look really, really good at the gym. But mm. I mean, I, I, I don't quite understand that because you're going to be sweating anyway. You mm. know, everything's going to get ruined. But I suppose. Uh, it's, we all it's have a, different reasons why we do something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. It's true. So I just I don't know understand like how how do you help women that are going through that though? Because obviously social media wasn't around in our age, mm. and it's still relatively new, mm. and it's constantly evolving as well. You know, you got TikTok that's kind of like the new the new thing now I as still well. Don't even know what that is. 
Uh, I, d- I don't know exactly Haven't what it looked is. into it. Well, I, I think I'm getting older and just out of the play, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I see something video-like, but something with videos, that's all I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what are the... so. Uh, What are some of the common disorders um, you see with with eating habits? Binge eating. Binge eating. Binge eating is one of the main ones, and then there is anorexia, right? And then follows with orthorexia. Yeah, yeah. And you suffered from those three things. I would say I I I don't think that I can say I had um, anorexia, but it was more like. Um, orthorexia, right. yeah. So trying to be very healthy and fear of food and overexercising, not eating enough, and then it turned into binge eating because I um, wanted to do a body physique competition and went. Did on. you actually enter? I didn't. I just couldn't mentally do it. No, wow. I yeah, but I did all the training and the dieting and all of that stuff. What's involved with doing um, that? A lot of training. So you train six times a week. So when you say training, what do you mean? Like just gym? Weights training. Weights training. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Heavy weights training. Um, and then you end up cutting carbs, obviously, just having a little bit at the beginning, more like kumara, and a little bit of brown rice. But then you cut that out slowly as well, cut down your calories <clears throat> so that you kind of shred the body fat down but it's really problematic for women in particular a lot of women lose their period um we mentally struggle much much more than women uh, than men do so a lot of women end up with binge eating with overeating after because they're going through starvation mode for quite a while it can't be good for both your body and your mind too I, i agree with you yeah. So I know there will be people, you know, who will disagree with me, but that's okay. Yeah. Mm. But do those three things, you, can they interlink somehow? Could you have someone who's binge eating and then they go to the opposite extreme and become anorexic? Yeah, yeah. I, it often, you know, one comes after another or one leads into the other, definitely, yeah. Because the main two reasons for let's say binge eating the main yeah let's say um even research shows it one is under eating so restricting food having food rules right so like let's say if i am on a diet and i'm not allowing myself to eat carbs and sugar and fats and whatever else then at some point we end up overeating on those foods so are you are you against diets I am against diets. You are against diets. Yes. Yeah. 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 For that very reason. Yes, because they just don't work. They they are not sustainable. They work. Well, actually, they do work, but, but for a short temp- period of time. Temporary. Yeah. That's right. And then most people regain the weight back anyway, um, and it's mentally very very damaging. Well, yeah, and you're probably starving your body of. Um, nutrients. Yeah, necessary nutrition. Yeah, yeah. Nutrients. Yeah. I mean, you can be on a diet and still get nutrients. Right? Yeah. It's just when we say diet, it depends on, you know, how we define what we mean with diet. When we talk about people who are trying to lose weight and go into a calorie deficit, some are doing well. Yeah, Some people actually are okay and they may manage it mentally well. They do lose weight and they do maintain their weight 
there are people, but it's according to research only five percent. The majority, five percent, yeah, ninety-five percent um, regain the weight back, and even more. But then also there is the psychological <laughs> issues that come with it as well, because you are. You know, if you are not eating enough calories, you have to be in a calorie deficit, right, to lose weight. Um, if you're not eating enough food, you're always thinking about it. It's always on my mind, on your mind. Um, so people come to me and say, God, I'm so tired of constantly thinking about food. I can't focus on anything else. My entire life is around food. Yeah. Yeah. That's really bad, though. So you're so because I see you see you know there's diets there's intermittent fasting there's keto diet there's yeah. the carnivore diet and all these things and it seems like there's this di one diet that's kind of in at mm -hmm. the moment you mm. know that's like keto is big right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 my my partner did it for uh, a couple of days and she didn't feel good and I'm like <laughs> why are you doing it you know and she's like no because I need to lose weight well, I'm like but you're just going to end up you know, going back to the way you were before. Yeah. 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 Precisely for the reason you said that it's not sustainable. Yeah. and But I need to add, um, I am not against keto or paleo or whatever else. I always, people, when people ask me, what do you think about it? My question is always, does it work for you? If it works for you, if keto works for you and your health is fine and you feel good mentally, physically, go for it. You're an adult. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, right? that's right. But as as soon as it doesn't work because you are mentally occupied and because it takes over your life, again, we, you know, obviously that's not an addiction, but if something starts taking over your life and you can't make any sort of decisions outside of that way of eating, mm. Or, yeah, you're constantly thinking about it or you, or you feel limited in one way or, or another, then maybe it's not the best way. Yeah. Then I would question it. But other than that, you know, I have people who are very happy on keto and their health is fine. But then there are a lot of researchers who say it's actually damaging for our health. So, yeah, it's hard to say. Yeah. Um, and I imagine that it's it comes back to not dealing with the core issue and using that as a way to temporarily deal with it masking the issue yeah i agree i agree absolutely and that's where i always go let's go right back to what is the issue if you're not happy with your body what is the reason mm. yeah if it's your weight is it even with weight, uh, we all have different body types. Yeah, there is a way. If let's say you have gained weight in the last few little while, okay, let's have a look. What is the reason? Have you been binge eating? Have you been overeating? Have you been using food as a drug? You know, um, then le let's deal with that. But. If let's say you are eating fine and you're moving and you're actually healthy and your body is the way it is, maybe that's where your body feels actually naturally yeah. comfortable. And I suppose every body is different, right? Mm. Their body type is different. Mm. Some foods agree with them, some don't. Um, one of the other big trends I'm noticing, and I'm not sure if people are doing it for health reasons or they're just doing it because it's the end thing, is you know how some people are going gluten-free and <laughs> vegan and stuff? Yeah. Um, do you – what's what's your thoughts on that in terms of gluten-free and vegan? 
Well, vegan is it's an ethical yeah way of eating. Right. Well, some people just well, not all people. Some people just like to jump on the bandwagon. I agree. I agree. And yeah. I had people who asked me, "What do you think about the vegan diet?" And that's where I have to explain, ve- being vegan is not a diet. You can go on it and use it as a diet, but that's not the actual... It's more a lifestyle, isn't it? It's a lifestyle. It's a way of being and thinking, right? It's an ethical way of being. Yeah. Um, There is so much more involved than just eating, right? So people who are vegan, they don't wear any sort of leather. So there's bigger decisions here. Yeah. But if you use that as a diet in terms of want to lose weight, then you go with a completely different mindset into it. Then you go back into most people will feel unrestricted, where if a person goes uh, is vegan for ethical reasons, they feel empowered. They will not feel restricted, most likely. Right. Yeah. So that's a completely different lifestyle. The same with um, gluten-free um, what is the reason why you're gluten-free? Is it because you really can't tolerate gluten? That's a different story. If that's the case, let's look at the different options. Let's look what you can do. If you can actually tolerate gluten, you know, there's always it's not always black and white, all or nothing. It can also be that you might be okay with a little bit of bread mm. here and there. Or, you know, I mean, gluten is almost... Everywhere, so yeah, it's pretty much in everything, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Um, what is it that you're kind of cutting out? You know, is it just bread and pasta? Well, maybe you can have a little bit of bread now and then. Maybe that's no, not no. a problem. I suppose it's working out if your body reacts to it straight away, as opposed to, you know, only if you're taking large amounts of it. Yeah. When it comes to gluten. Yeah. Or is it just because everyone else doing it and you're not even questioning it? So you just jump on the wagon as well. Well, that's what I question. Because mm. part of the reason I bring this up is yeah. my, my partner's a vegetarian. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, I suffer from psoriasis. So I've been told to avoid dairy and gluten. But then I, um, and I've even cut down on my meat intake as well. And I've, I've noticed a lot of changes. But that's due to, like, it's kind of trial and error mm. with me. And, and I've told other people not to necessarily do the same thing. Because some people say, well, I have psoriasis and I've stopped dairy and gluten and I still, you know, have problems. Mm. Yeah. But um, with with the meat thing specifically, like I find when I eat meat, for example, sometimes I can feel very heavy afterwards. Whereas vegetarian is, is, is quite light and I'm not saying, you know, I'm, I'm going to go completely vegan or anything. But is there any customers that you have where you kind of, you're looking at what they eat and how they feel after specific things that they eat? Because we have a, like a meat-oriented culture in New Zealand. Yes, it's very embedded in the DNA here. Yeah. And I, kind of, I, I often say this, that trying to get, get Kiwis to give up meat is like convincing Americans to give up guns. You know, it's just, <laughs> it seems, you know, it, like it, it just won't happen, you know. Mm. But um, do you find when you speak to um, some clients that you might be like, well, you need, maybe you can adjust this um, based on their psychology? I think the way I approach it, um, I look into what they eat, yes. Um, but I always ask them, how do you feel? Like for me, it's really important that they feel empowered. Right. So I 
ask them sometimes to write like a food journal, which is writing down how do you feel after eating certain foods. So they learn to be fully aware of how they're feeling after eating certain foods. How long do you make them, like, how long is the journal? Oh, just seven days is enough. Oh, okay, seven yeah, days. seven days is enough. But then also because I work with people for at least half a year. Oh, wow. Yes. Okay, that's a long time. It's, it depends. <laughs> well, I suppose a long time in my head. Yeah, yeah. I thought it would be a month or something because I suppose usually I think, because, you know, people usually do diets for a month. Yeah. So, okay. Well, that's why I work differently yeah, yeah, because yeah. I don't do what doesn't work. That's what I'd say. Valid point, valid point. (laughs) So, um, and I have tried working with people for less, like three months, or they just come for a session or as long as they want. That doesn't work. So you lay it down to them when they first come in and be like, hey, this is a long-term thing. Yeah. So I say, I want to to go through seasons with you, okay? Because at the beginning, you will be excited, you'll be motivated, and that's, that's a time when I don't need to do anything. Because you just do everything. And then after the motivation drops, then it's usually where people go, ah, I just mm, bugger that, right? I can't be bothered. <laughs> I'm just going to the other side. So that's where our work starts. That's where we need to get right back and then... So what, what sorry, what, what period of, around that time does that happen? Uh, for everyone is different, but you just mentioned a month. It's probably right. Probably a month. Yeah. yeah okay. Probably right. Right. Yeah. And just after the month. After it's... the month, then we go back and it's like, okay, let's have a look. What's not working? What is it that we can do differently? What's the mindset here? What's the approach? And then that's why I work with them for half a year. And um, it's really what I have found. Some there is something that happens with six months. After about four months, people start thinking differently. They talk differently. Their language changes, and they just notice these huge changes. And now don't quote me on this one because it's not research. It's my observation. I believe that's when the brain is actually rewired. On the six-month period, around about that period. Around between four and six months, yeah, because – is they just change, yeah, the way they talk, think, do things. And that's why I said, you know what, I'm not going to be doing something that doesn't work anymore. So it's at least six months or a year. And I have people who have been working with me for over one and a half years. Because, you know, you start with one thing and it just goes into another and another, like a layer, because they notice if I can change this, then other things will improve in my life and we just kind of continue. It starts often with food and then it goes on other areas up into business coaching and relationship oh, really? coaching. Wow. Yeah, it's 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 a whole life. It's it's that's why I love my job. Okay, so it's the same principles for anything, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, so you get some people like business coaching and stuff as well. Business coaching, relationships, yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah it, it's quite exciting. Yeah. yeah, business coaching, executive coaching is there as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you ever seek uh, help from any other people in regards to? Because I, I had a life coach on here, mm. and she talks to other life coaches. So, like, as a food psychologist, would you ever go to another food psychologist? I would, and I must admit, um, so I am someone who believes we all need support. We all need support network. Right. Okay, so I always have, um, or I had a coach 
myself, a personal coach. I had a business mentor. I also have a psychologist. I don't go to my psychologist all the time, but she's there when I feel like, you know what, there's something that I want to talk about and I don't want really to burden that or, you know, you know, I can talk to my partner about anything and everything, but there are things where I feel like a psychologist or a counselor or someone else or another coach is better just to keep the emotions out of things, yeah. right? So I would um, go and see them. Mm. And not long ago, um, I actually went to my psychologist and I said, you know what, today I'm going to be talking about food, even though I am the expert, but I need actually yeah, yeah space to processed some stuff because right. in eating disorder we never fully heal mm. we learn to manage it well we learn to live with it it's like an alcoholic you will always be a dry alcoholic right for some, for most people they will always keep that difficult relationship with alcohol so most people say well I will. I, I can't have just one drink. So with an eating disorder, a lot of a lot of the time, um, you still get triggered yeah. from time to time. Yeah. So if uh, <laughs> funny my partner's here. So uh, <laughs> if let's say if we've had moments where he would say something and it would just right trigger me. So there was an example. He came home and he said. Well, like we had lots of plums here. Where are all the plums? And I said, well, I've eaten them. Oh, there was a lot of them. <laughs> you know, so my mind goes into, oh, my God, he's telling me I'm eating too much. Am I eating too much? You know, those kind of things. Right. These are old stories. And yeah. I, that's a moment where, again, I go, I pause. I think, wow, it's like. Hello, haven't heard you from you for a while. Yeah. Like I differentiate my eating disorder from myself. I oh. know when it's not me, it's those old stories. So I processed it and thought, this is interesting. Okay. And then I like a few days later I spoke to him and said, Do you remember when you came home and asked me about the plums? Uh and that's you ask me where are the plums, we had a lot of plums. My mind is telling me, you are telling me I'm eating to a lot of plums. Am I getting fat? You know, that's that's the ultimate fear yeah, where yeah. it goes going to. And then he said, oh, I don't care how many plums you eat. I was just actually <laughs> worrying that you threw them out. Oh, right. So we had completely different stories here. Yeah. Right. I um, imagine that would be quite a common thing in any relationship. <laughs> Men and women think very differently. <laughs> yeah. But when would be the... So, because some people would probably go to a therapist, right? When mm -hmm. more than likely they'd probably need to see a food psychologist such as yourself. Don't you think? Can, can you please ask the question again? Like, you know how some people go see a counsellor yeah. because they're having issues you know they have an emotional issue that they're not dealing with yeah but that could sometimes be food related oh yeah 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 right so how where would you know when to see a counselor and when to see a uh, food psychologist because people wouldn't necessarily know right that's right yeah. actually yeah that that's right i guess that's why i'm doing what i'm doing which is creating awareness yeah that there are people who exist and a lot of people how they come to me is they actually look for weight loss or eating disorders oh, right. and then they see oh there is something like an eating psychology 
coach yeah. here, right? So that's how we they, they just find me, or I create awareness through obviously social media and being um, like published lots of articles and like on on Next and good stuff and yeah. stuff and whatever else. Um, but then there are people who actually because I always ask them, how did you find me? And there are people who look for food and then psychology, yeah, right. or psychologist and then eating, psychologist, weight loss, because I think people are more aware that there is things like that that exist. Yeah, um, yeah. But I can imagine, yeah, that there are people who go to a counselor um even though they have food issues. And a lot of counselors obviously are not trained in that. And that's why I combine, and I always say that, I combine psychology and nutrition knowledge. A lot of nutritionists don't have a psychology background and lots of psychologists or counselors obviously don't have the nutritional background. So I have the bow, I have the combination. Yeah, which is a good quality to have. Because yeah. the thing is, I told a lot of people that you were coming on here, yeah. a food psychologist, and yeah. they were like, food psychologist. Yeah. And every single one of the word, you know, they they were kind eating of... Eating psychologist is probably something, I would probably call it eating, eating psychology. Right, yeah. okay. It's a, probably a bit different. Well, I did, I kind of gave them a little description yeah. as well. It's so yeah. like I said, eating or food psychologist and yeah. then just cut the conversation. Yeah. So I did explain it. But a, a lot of people are interested because I still, still probably think there's a lot of people that don't know. It's new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's relatively new. Yeah? yeah. How yeah. how new are we talking? Like, oh, goodness. Um, I don't know, a few years, four, five, six years. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. That. Yeah. But yeah. it is it is, it is a good thing because it, it, re- it relates to food. Food relates to to the mind and, and vice versa. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's incredibly important. That's what we I'm put in our bodies. They say, um, I don't know if you agree with this, but uh, like your gut is connected to everything. Mm. Yeah? You mm. agree with that? Mm, I agree with it. Yeah. yeah so, so what you put in your gut affects your skin, it affects your mind. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, try to eat. Please don't, but <laughs> 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 just try to eat like McDonald's or, you know, really oh, yeah. even takeaways for a week I and see like how crap. you feel. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You will feel like crap. Yeah. That's why I hope really, I think takeaways are going to be shut down. So I really hope that a lot of people will cook their own food. Yeah. They will have to cook their yeah. own food. No more McDonald's for you. No yeah. more KFC. I think it's great. Yeah. It is great. <laughs> It's a negative that can become a positive. You know what? And that's what I've been saying the last few days. I've been speaking to a lot of my clients and I said, you know what? How can you see that as a positive? Yeah. Like what can you get actually out of it? Yeah. One of my mentors said to me in the past, because uh, I was organizing like an event and didn't turn out as I wanted it to be. And she said, what if it was the biggest blessing for you? And yeah, well, you don't know, do you? Well, you can. You can just take that moment and think about it. What if, how can I use this and yeah. this time in a powerful way? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a very, very um, important thing, I feel. Like giving yourself the ability to be able to change that mindset. Yeah, yeah. just just change your what you focus on. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um in terms of lifestyle and everything, we got this stupid fly in the studio that's really, really <laughs> annoying me. I don't even know how it got in here. Um, anyway, I lost my train of thought there. Uh, so we're, in terms of this this uh, lockdown and everything, 
Do you advise people to cook their own meals? You use this as an opportunity to eat better. Because I, you know what I found is when I stopped eating fast food for a while, and then let's say I eat really healthy and then I go back and eat it, I felt terrible afterwards because yes. your body is not used to it. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I think almost if you eat a lot of bad food, then your body kind of gets used to it in a way and it doesn't affect you, say, if you are a healthy eater and then you go and eat something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's say someone who is always tired, they almost get used to that feeling. For them, it's a norm. Yeah. That's what they know. That's that's. You know, they're not even questioning it often. So the same is for someone who eats a lot of like takeaways. That's what they know. They're so used to this feeling that it's almost it's impossible for them to know what it feels like to be different. Yeah, yeah, totally. Right? How? So I think it's a great opportunity for mm. people to, um. Yeah, to explore and different, try different recipes and healthy recipes. And Any really... recipes you'd recommend? Oh, my goodness. Um, you know what? I am, you'll, find, you'll probably will find it funny. I'm not a foodie whatsoever. <laughs> You're not a foodie. I'm not a foodie. That's hilarious. I... Do you do much cooking or does your husband do the cooking? Uh I do most of the cooking. Okay. Yeah. yeah well, you are somewhat of a foodie then, if you know how to cook something. No, I eat, so we both are quite good with that. Uh, we eat for energy. We are so basic when it comes to food. Right. We don't really, like, I never, I've never been a person who is, oh my God, I'm going to eat this and I'm going to be, it's going to be delicious. I don't eat like that. I yeah. don't eat for joy or you know because something is delicious yeah i eat because it's gonna give me energy i eat food that makes me feel good so which is m most of the time veggies uh we used to be vegetarian vegan but um changed a little bit so we introduced a little bit of meat again um but mainly we just eat vegetables right. different forms um legumes uh oh, and, wow, a, legumes. and a little bit of legumes yeah um chickpeas beans yeah um and a little bit of meat so mm. very very basic because you know i there are so many other things that just bring me so much more joy like doing this and being here today. Yeah. Well, <laughs> hey, I enjoy this way more than eating. Sometimes I can, yeah, I can go easily without eating. As long as I'm doing something that, that I feel stimulated. That's right. And see, we go back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're just pointing Come at each other. Go full circle. Exactly, going yep. full circle. Yeah. Um, going back to the movie idea. Yeah. Yeah, example. Yeah. If you're doing something that is fun, that is gives you that sense of fulfillment and passion you will not need food to make you feel good because you're already feeling so amazing so my suggestion is seriously do something like use this time i'm we were so my partner and i was so excited yesterday i was yeah. like oh, i'm gonna do this and i'm going to work on this project and that project and i said oh my god after four weeks we probably will need another four weeks because we haven't finished all our projects <laughs> like we're both very excited oh well, that's good yeah obviously there is fear and there's a little bit of like oh, i hope everything will be fine well but hopefully it's only four weeks that's right yeah i do not want it longer than that yeah yeah i mean no. if it starts getting to three uh four months or something then you know no it's, yeah. it's very not good yeah for yeah 
I am I am worried. I must say for uh, some people who are probably very lonely. I think it was it will affect families and those with mental health. I, I am quite worried about those on, yeah. who maybe don't have anyone and need to be alone at home. Um, that's why it's important that you talk to your neighbors or something or keep, keep regular connecting. Con- yeah, keep connecting. At least we have yeah. the internet. So, you know, you can yeah. still Facebook someone if you're yeah, that's or a video right. chat or something. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And that's why, like, I said, you know what? I know that through what I do, I actually can help people. Yeah. And most of my work is online. So I'm still seeing all my clients. I am now offering, because um, I'm also a yoga teacher. So I'm offering now online yoga classes. I'm running uh, Solve the Overeating Puzzle online so there is stuff and i know that there are a lot of people who are offering a lot of things online seriously just join and actually a lot of people do free stuff as well people are it's really beautiful to watch how humanity comes together and really support each other yeah through that time that's actually really beautiful yeah Mm. that's that's how it comes back to the negative into a positive there can, can be some good things that come out of you know dark times sometimes although i don't like to use that word but that seems like a good place to wrap up unless there is anything else you wanted to cover no i think we covered a lot we covered a lot of stuff yeah Yeah. now where where can everyone follow you and and all that jazz and sign up for your online yoga classes and all that jazz (laughs) so people can find me on the usual social media channels facebook and instagram under mindfoodness.nz yeah my website is exactly the same mindfoodness.nz um and yeah so that's where i post kind of a lot of tips, a lot of suggestions in general, and also how to get through this time. And if people are interested in joining a free Facebook group, because I give a lot of support um, there as well, it's Finding Freedom with Food. Fighting freedom. Fighting freedom finding, or finding freedom? Finding freedom, freedom with, with food. food. Yeah, mindfulness community. Okay. So it's there as well. But otherwise, just go to Facebook, mindfulness.nz, and all the information is there as well. Cool. Mm. And I And I... I'm connected to you now. So if I have any questions or if I'm having problems, I can uh, contact you. Absolutely. (laughs) And I would, uh, if it's okay um, to mention the ebook. Yes, yes. So it's a free ebook, right? It's a free ebook. And uh, the reason why I really wanted to mention is because it actually, there is so much value. I put so much into this e-workbook. I talked about quite a few. Uh, overeating triggers today right and in this workbook i mention all the six uh, between six and seven uh overeating triggers that i have identified so the reasons why people overeat and then also people go can go into this workbook identify what are their personal reasons for overeating and then specifically i give tools what they can do depending on the triggers that they have. Like you had boredom today, as I said, or not being stimulated. That's one of the triggers. Um, And then we obviously covered what are the things that you can do when that is your trigger. But there are, I have identified about six to seven triggers um, and then also give suggestions what to do. So I um, can give you the link and people can download it for free. Yep, I'll provide the link on YouTube and Spotify and, and all of that jazz. Cool. 
Hey, thank you so much for coming. I've learned so much today. Thank you for for inviting me. It was really, it was cool. Cool question. Yeah, yeah. I enjoy these chats. <laughs> I learn so much doing this. That's why I love doing it. Yeah, you're good at it. All right, everyone. Well, um, that's the show. Make sure you share, like, and subscribe. Stay safe during these four weeks. Um, definitely apply some of the stuff that Eugenia has, has mentioned today. Um, yeah, and hey, you stay safe during those four weeks too. Yeah. I will. Yeah. yeah, and enjoy your little projects. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's the show, guys. Thanks. See ya.